Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live or connect with us on Facebook. Nehemiah chapter 6. I want to just share with you briefly, we're in a series called Straightforward, and the, the idea, of course, is that we would live our lives direct and to the point. If you know somebody who's straightforward, uh, you know somebody who they're, they're just straightforward. Uh, they, they, uh, they tend to say things, you don't have to worry about what they're thinking. Uh, they'll tell you. They may not always have the best tact or, or, or uh, tactic in, in sharing it, uh, but you know what they're thinking. Uh, we pray that our lives would be in Christ direct and to the point, that we'd be straightforward in what God has for us, not deviating to the left or to the right, uh, not being rude. How many know that's not the heart of God? Uh, that's not rude, not being rude or ignorant, but being, being full of grace, but that we would stay on task and stay on target. I feel just an assignment today to uh, speak in believing today that as I preach the word, that God is going to break the yoke of discouragement, that there's a discouragement that's come over our land in these, in these days. There's connected with confusion and discouragement, and for some it's turned not just discouragement, but to disgust. And uh, there's, there's such a, a, uh, um, a difficulty. And what I want to uh, just pray today, and just as I share this word from Nehemiah, is that God help us to remain determined. Uh, the enemy's going to come to do whatever he can to take us off the task uh, of what God has called us to do. But God, by his grace, help us to remain determined. Nehemiah chapter 6, why don't you stand with me? I want to read this text, and then we're going to just jump right into it. You can follow along on the screen or on version Bible app. How many have that version Bible app on your phone? Yeah, you can find us on there. It's a live event. Um, anyway, uh, we're glad you're here. Nehemiah chapter 6, here's what he says. Sambalot, Tobiah, Geshem, forgive me, I didn't give you the backstory. Who's Nehemiah? Nehemiah is, uh, was in exile. He is the cupbearer for the king of Persia. And while he's the cupbearer, he learns news that the city that he's from, the city that he loves, God's city, that is, is uh, the walls are broken down, uh, people are, are uh, coming in and raiding it, there's poverty, and it's just not a good situation for God's people. So Nehemiah is bothered by this as the cupbearer, and one day when he goes in, the cupbearer's job was to drink the wine before the king drank the wine, because if the cupbearer died, well, then the king knew not to drink that. So that was, uh, <laughs> he really had a, uh, a, an important job. Nehemiah goes in one day, and he's looking sad, and the king says, what's your problem? Why are you sad? That in itself is a risk. If the king doesn't like the way you showed up, he could take your head off. Um, and so he took, a, he took a risk to even, even reveal to the king that he's displeased. The king says, what's, what's your problem? He says, how can I be happy when my people, when God's people, my, my family, are, are not doing well in Jerusalem? The king says, what do you need? How many know God knows how to give favor? And the king says, what do you need? Nehemiah, of course, goes. He goes from being the cupbearer to the king of Persia to now being the governor of Jerusalem. And so as the governor, he rebuilds the wall. We pick it up in chapter 6. He's built the wall. But how many know, just like Brett said, there's always opposition when we step out to do the work of God. There's always enemies coming against the work of God. All right, so now that we have the backstory. Sambalot, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained, though we had not yet set up the doors and the gates. So Sambalot... And Geshem sent a message asking me to meet at once at the village in the plain of Ono. 
But I realized that they were plotting to harm me, so I replied by sending this message to them. I am engaged in a great work, so I cannot come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? How many know that's straightforward? Why should I get off this work? I'm doing a job. I'm not doing that. I'm staying here. Verse 4, four times they sent the same message, and each time I gave the same reply. The fifth time, Sambalot's servant came with an open letter. Everybody say, oh, no. That's where he wanted to go and visit them, but he didn't go to, oh, no. All right. The fifth time, Sambalot's servant came with an open letter in his hand, and this is what the letter said from Sambalot. There is a rumor among the surrounding nations, and Geshem tells me that it's true, that you, Nehemiah, and the Jews are planning to rebel, and that that is why you are building the wall. According to this report that I have heard, you plan on being their king. He also, he also reports to me that you have appointed prophets in Jerusalem to proclaim about you, look, there is a king in Judah. You can be very sure that this report will get back to the king, Nehemiah. So I suggest that you come and meet with me at once so we can talk it over. Nehemiah says, I replied, there is no truth in any part of your story. You're making the whole thing up. They were just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. So I continued the work with even more and greater determination. So I continued the work with greater determination. Say that with me. I continued the work with greater determination. One more time. I continued the work with greater determination. Father, I pray today that we would be determined in our heart to see your work accomplished. He who began a good work, you're faithful to do it. So God, help us to be found faithful standing on your promise. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that today, shout amen, and you may be seated. You may be seated. I just want to give you just this this context today of, of standing in the midst of opposition. There's an enemy that wants to come against us. The title I want to share from today is simply this, undeterred, that we would be undeterred. It's not a common word that we use, but when you become undeterred, it means that you are determined. You're not going to let anything stop our determination that can stand in the face of discouragement. We step into and we're discouraged either by our own that can cause us to rise greater. The enemy is wanting to come and take us off the task. This is the enemy's job. The enemy has one job, to take you off of your job. The enemy's job is to take you off of your job and the tactics that he uses are lies and threats, which means the only way the enemy's job works is if you help him work at it. The only way the enemy's job works is if you work with him. All he has are lies, threats, and things that, are, that, that, can, that come against. He's the author of lies. So the only way the enemy can do his job is if you help him do his job. So really, Adam and Eve eating the fruit, the enemy, of course, Satan, shows up because how many know from the very beginning he's always been about stealing, killing, and destroying this has been the tactic and the, the, the whole premise. And, and for us in the place of discouragement, if we let discouragement, if we let things take us off task, it's not the enemy did it to us. We gave permission to the enemy to take us off task. We give way to that. And, and so don't help the enemy do his job is what, what I want to say to us today. Don't help the enemy do his job. One of the ways that we can help the enemy do his job is when we allow agendas to become our distractions. 
When we get caught up in, in agendas and there's things that, that, that come along that there are good things that can be agendas and things we need to give attention to, but there's always a danger at times whenever we allow agenda to operate at a place that we excuse principle. A, agenda, and here's what we need to know the difference of. There's a difference between distractions and doctrine. There's some things that we, we allow to run after and get our attention that really is not doctrine, it's just distraction. Here's the difference of doctrine and distraction. Distraction, of course, would always cause worry. Anything you look at it and makes you worry and it causes fear, that's a distraction. Fear is not from God. Fear is a tactic of the enemy, and the only way fear works is if you work with it. If we allow and give in to this work of the enemy, that distractions are connected to fear, but doctrine is principle. I know all of us know people or know circumstances and things where we swept principle under the rug just to justify agenda. We've allowed principle. The way we did it wasn't godly, but hey, at least we use the money for God. God doesn't care about your good agenda. He cares more about the principle in the heart. He will bless the heart. God doesn't need you to have an agenda. He just needs you to have his heart, and he'll bless your hands with the purpose and the agenda that he has. That God will cause the blessing. And so we get caught up sometimes in this, this allowing agendas to become more important, and they just become distractions. That instead of staying on the wall and building what God has called us to build and do what God has called us to do, we get caught up in in social things, so, social things are not all bad, but if we get a part of social things and miss the gospel, how many know we've lost track of what we're supposed to do? The early, uh, the, after the Civil War, one of the things that really plagued uh, the church in America is that we became so social. And we became so social, the church in America was so social that there was not a gospel presentation. The gospel was not being preached. There, this was the, the season that you would have seen a lot of the mainline churches that had become social gospels. And by social gospel, it was connected to what's going on in society and place for society, but it did not proclaim the hope of Jesus Christ. It gave a cup of water, but it forgot to do it in the name of Jesus. It, it, it met needs and provided and became more about wealth and became more about status, became more about our position, more about our needs being met. I think we're back to where we've been because how many know history has a way of repeating itself? that there's a process sometimes that it becomes more of a social gospel and being careful that, yes, God cares about the social plagues and the things that are in society, but God cares more that we stand on the wall and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. As we do this, and Nehemiah built the wall, and here's what he did. He had his, he had his people, as they were building the wall, go back to chapter 3 and chapter 4. He's building the wall. They have the sword in one hand and their tool in the other. And I see that being the importance of the church, the sword being the word of God and the tool to impact the world in the other. But let us never put down the sword just to pick up the tool. And the distractions are where we're picking up the tools, but we've let go of the sword. We've let go of, of the word and, and what the principle that drives and directs us. It's not good enough that we do good works. Oh, that we would do not just good works, but that our heart would be unto God, that we would allow the work of God to be in us, that we hold the sword in one hand and we hold the tool in the other. And as we build this work that God has called us to and being careful that we don't get caught up in the, in the distractions. Paul said this word to Timothy. Paul said to Timothy, encouraging him, he wanted to encourage Timothy on two fronts. Number one, Timothy, you're young. You're in your 30s. How many are still, don't raise your hand. You don't have to raise your hand. 
because I'm not young anymore. <laughs> uh, I remember when I was like, yay, 30s are young. I'm in my 20s, and I'm not even in my 30s anymore. And uh, it just changes. And Paul's saying to Timothy, I want to tell you this because you're young. The other reason I want to tell you this is because you're in a day, or you're going to come into a day, there's going to be a time where people don't want to hear truth. And so because you're young and people don't want to hear truth, I need to encourage you. Don't let people look down on you for your youth. Don't let people come against you. Stand firm. Be confident. Don't be discouraged. Stand in the promises of God. Stand in the truth. And here's what he tells him in chapter 4, verse 16. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them. Press through. Don't give up persevere in your life and doctrine, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Notice Paul's moment right now is to say, this is what you watch closely, because if you watch this closely, this will take care of what matters the most. So what matters the most? Salvation. The salvation is what matters the most, that it's, it's my salvation, and here's what I know, and I'm believing, and I stand on, that when I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he will add everything else in my life. He's the God of provision. And so when we seek him first, when we watch our life and our doctrine, when we trust him, when we allow righteousness, this, this living unto God, if we per- persevere in this, move forward, that it's staying on the walls about reaching lost people. The concern is when agenda is stronger than principle. And if our agenda is stronger than principle, if we turn an eye to principle, just, well, you know, that's just how they are. That's just the way it is. That's just what it takes. When you turn the eye, you allow yourself to get caught up in distractions and you forsake doctrine. That we would stand in the truth of God's word remaining on the wall, just like Nehemiah. We have an enemy in our day who is wanting to take us off the task. There's an enemy who wants to take us and, and, and cause us to be disengaged in the work. And let me remind you again, the only way the enemy's good at his job is if we help him with it. The only way the enemy can do his job is if we, if we help him, if we allow. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. I believe in this, the same thing Nehemiah saw, the first tactic that Nehemiah, that the, the enemies of Nehemiah building the wall was this. Number one, they tried to talk him down. You read back in the earlier chapters, it says, what kind of wall are you building that even if foxes come on this wall, it's going to fall. It's not even going to stand. They, they mocked him. They tried to talk him down. They talked against him. And how many know that didn't work, so they tried to break him down. They, they, they tried to get to a place that we're going we're gonna to keep pressing and coming against. We're, we're going to try and, try and break you down. That didn't work, so we're going to tear you down. Well, we're going we're gonna to come against your reputation. We're going to do whatever we can. The enemy's going to do whatever tactic he can to come against us. But Sambalot and, and, and tried to deter Nehemiah, but he remains the course. And for us, I want to encourage us to remain the course. Let me give you just four things today in this remaining undeterred that we would remain in the course, that we would remain steadfast. Here's what we get from the text that we read that Nehemiah, number one, it says this, that he had filled in all the gaps, that he had finished building the wall, including all the gaps. There are no gaps. Here's number one, God help us to address the gaps. Every single one of us have gaps in our lives. When Nehemiah went to Jerusalem, he didn't go there to build the wall. He went there to assess and see what the need was. And when he assessed the need, he saw that the wall had low points. And the, law, the wall needed to be built. Why does that matter? Because the enemy is always going to try and penetrate the weak places of your life. The enemy is always going to come into the place that you're, that you're fear, where you are. There, there's areas of my life. The enemy is not going to get me with drugs and alcohol. I don't mean to make light of that. I just, that's not a thing for me. Now, there are other people, that's a weak area for you. But the enemy knows what my weak area is. 
The enemy knows that in my insecurity, pride can be a weak area. I'd be careful telling you all my weak areas. Are you like, use that against me? I gotta be careful. I get a little too transparent up here sometimes. But, but the enemy, when I'm aware, I know where my weak areas are. So you guess what? I'm gonna build up those walls. I'm gonna build up those places that are weak. I'm gonna stand in the gap in that, in that area, not allowing, the enemy will always try and deter you in your weak place, in, in, the, in the place of most vulnerability. Ezekiel 22 says this, I look for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. Notice what guards the land. The wall of righteousness. The wall of righteousness. We have allowed our agendas to get so diverted in America that we quit building the wall of righteousness. We stand on one agenda and ignore another because we make it about agendas. And we polarize ourselves in being Democrat or Republican and we pick our agendas. So if you're on this side, you care about life in the womb. And if you're on this side, you care about life that's in poverty. Uh, My God is not on a side, he cares about both. And so from the womb, all the way through the kingdom of God. I'm not taking sides. This is the kingdom of God is not a political party. The kingdom of God. Now, listen, that being said, I've got some concerns. Absolutely. Are there things that we look at and say, there's some things that are unfolding? Absolutely, yes. But it started long before today. It started long before today. And if it started long before today, it can change in a moment. Here's how it can change with just one word and just one touch. And it won't be anything of me, but only the spirit and the presence and the power of God. Guess what? If the, it doesn't, I mean this sincerely. It doesn't matter who's in the White House as long as there's still people who know who's in my house. As for me and my house, well, I will serve the Lord. As for me, that's not a statement of defiance. That's a statement of absolute truth. I I know in whom I have believed and my God shall provide all of my needs according to his riches in glory. Now there's a moment that we're coming to right now that we're gonna have to determine whether certain things make good songs or good lives because we like to sing it. We sing it well. I believe in you. There's nothing my God can't do. There's there's not a mountain here. Can you believe who got in the White House? Can you believe what's going to happen? I forgot what I thought there's nothing that my God can't do. I thought there's no mountain he can't move. I thought there's nothing that can stand in the way of our God who is prevailing, who is working. I thought our God was on the throne. I didn't know he got voted out. Because the last guy didn't bring him in either. I I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. Help me, Jesus. My point is we brush principle under the rug just to push agenda. God, let your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your kingdom come and your will be done. Please forgive me if this sounds political. It's not. There's certain areas I can't get political. Abortion is a sin. But if you've been a part of sin, there is a redeemer who heals and restores. Sexual immorality is a sin. And if you've been a part of immoral sexual sins, 
because there are some people who do it in the closet and out of the closet. It's all over the place. And whatever closet you've been in or out of, there's a God who can restore. If you've committed adultery, your God can forgive. He can restore and make all things new. There is a, this is the hope of what we proclaim and the promise that we proclaim is in Jesus Christ, the God who takes broken lives and makes them whole just like broken walls and builds them back up. He's known as the rebuilder of broken walls and lives. I want to say to you not to not be concerned. What I want to say to you is don't be discouraged. My hope and our hope is in Jesus Christ, that we will see the goodness of the Lord. You say, well, yeah, we're at a place where there's such a progressive move, and now everything comes in, and you're absolutely right. I realize in just a vote, a lot of things can change and unravel. I realize freedom we go there, freedom of speech, it's already, okay, I, I got to stop. I don't want to get political. I'm not going to get into that. I'm just telling you, I, I, let's just despise the hypocrisy on both sides and let's just stand in the truth. <laughs> let's stand in the truth of God's word. Let's stand in the truth of what is God's word and know that our God will prevail. We've got to address the gaps. Don't worry about your brother's speck in his eye until we first take care of the plank in mind. Now, that doesn't mean not to worry about your speck, but I can't worry about your speck before I've taken care of my own plank. It doesn't mean, and, and we take that out of context. We're like, you can't judge anybody. Well, that's not true. <laughs> the Bible says to judge fruit, and I'm gonna judge fruit right now, and that fruit stinks, okay? Because we go too far with this. Well, you can't judge people. You can't, uh, yeah, you can. <laughs> the Bible says, I can't judge your salvation. I can't judge your heart, but I can judge your fruit. And sometimes the way you talk tells me your fruit's rotten. Sometimes the way we act, sometimes the way we, we uh, and that's the straightforward I want, I want to see in the house of God. Hey, brother, hey, sister, stop talking that way. Let's talk, let's talk the things of God. Let's be in the things of truth. Let's move forward in what is the hope that God has. Let me give you these last ones quickly. God is looking for someone. He searched, unfortunately, in Ezekiel's day, he found no one. But I believe today God is searching and he's found a people. There's a remnant. There's a people who know, the, know, the, the, know their God. And here's what he said in Daniel's day, which be reminded, Daniel was at the beginning of the exile. Daniel and, and his friends were taken into exile. And it says of Daniel, the people who know their God will do exploits. Guess where those exploits were done? In captivity. God's not off the throne because you got exiled. Jew, the Jews got captured. Yeah, they failed, and they disappointed God, so God allowed consequences, but God did not forsake them in the consequence that he stayed with them. He persevered with them. He brought them through. They saw, and it says the people in Daniel's day in exile, the people who know their God will do exploits. I declare in this land and in America, there is still a church that the people who know their God will do exploits to the glory of God that we will see the goodness of the Lord. We will see the promises of God carried out. We need to address the gaps. Number two, if we're gonna remain um, in, in a place of remaining determined, undeterred, and we've gotta account for what really matters. Nehemiah gets an invitation from Sambalot and Geshem. They say, hey, we got a great place here in Ono. Why don't you come visit us? And uh, Nehemiah said, oh no, I won't. And so, okay, that was weird. That was very bad. Okay, um, there's this invitation that we're always getting Here's what I want to encourage us today is we've got to account for what really matters. You only have so much time on your hand, so use your time wisely. Um, and I'll just say it this way. If you're having people send you videos and tell you you need to watch these things because there's conspiracy theories and these things that are happening and whatever's going on, I realize somebody like, but no, it's true. Okay, 
I don't know, but if you have more time to watch those videos than you do to have the word of God in your heart, there's a problem. <laughs> this, this word needs to get in us, and we've got to allow this word to be what penetrates and directs our, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. That it's the word of God. And, and we've got to be at a place that we take account for what really matters. They said to Nehemiah, come down and meet with us. And I love Nehemiah. He says, nope, I'm doing a good work right here. I can't come down. Why would I come down and meet with you? Because what I'm doing right here is important. Some of us, remember what's really important. Remember what, what, it, what it is that's important to, to hold on and make the decision, giving that account of deciding what's the most important. Here's number three. We need to affirm our decision. Nehemiah was asked four times. Four times they came to him and said, hey, why don't you come down? We want to meet with you. Let's meet with you. Four times they said, come and meet. And Nehemiah said four times, no, I won't. Four times he came back and said, no, I'm not going to meet with you. I'm not, I'm not coming down for that. Nehemiah had a consistency. Consistency develops confidence and stability. Here's the big word, stability. Just because our world is unstable doesn't mean your faith needs to be. This world is unstable. And that's not fear. Please hear me. I'm not, I'm not passing fear. Let's just be real. Our world is unstable. I mean, we have more soldiers right now in our capital than in, in other parts of the world. Um, th- that's, not, that's not normal, okay? We're, we're at a volatile time. Uh, that doesn't give me fear of what might happen. It's just, it's a reality. We're in a volatile time. There's, a, there, there's a, an unstable approach around us. But here's what we have to be careful of. When our world is unstable, which, by the way, it's more unstable, but it was never stable. Whenever you thought the world was stable, you were just fooled. The world has never been stable. The world has always been in this, in this place of brokenness, and it will remain until Jesus comes back. Now, we have moments of being more stable, but we've never been stable. We've been more or less at times, but we've always been in an unstable situation. Because it just takes anything that can change at any moment. And sometimes we're just not aware of that. So we feel that now. But don't let your faith be unstable. Jesus, the, the brother of Jesus, James, uh, James said this in chapter 4. He said that, I'm sorry, chapter 1. He says that if you need wisdom, ask God. And when you do, don't doubt. Because if you doubt, you're like a, like a, a, a wave. You're tossed in the wave. And he says that you're a double-minded person and should not expect to receive anything from God. So don't become unstable. Remain consistent. Remain steadfast. Nehemiah, four times, come down. Four times, no, I'm not. So because they couldn't get him to come down, and he wouldn't change his approach, he, he remained consistent. They tried the last one, and the last one, this, that, that encouraged us today, is that we have to stay in a place that we know the truth, that, that we have to, to know the truth that's in us, that, that we can allow this to be, to be steadfast. They said, okay, if you're not going to come down, then we're going to send an open letter. And here's what the open letter means. It means this. It's not sealed and it's not stamped. The governor's not going to stamp it. It's an open letter. And that means whosoever hands it touches, they can open it and read. And they get to open the letter and read about the rumor that's said about Nehemiah. Now, how many know if you really care about your reputation, that's a problem? What are they going to think? Maybe today some of your discouragement is because you've been controlled by what people think. God wants to break you today from what people think. Walk in the truth no matter what people think. Don't make decisions based on people's thoughts and perception. 
He had an open letter. Well, I've got to do what, what people, now I'm controlled by what people might say. There's rumors, but I don't have to worry about the rumors because I know the truth. And so when we become people who, who know the truth and, and we stand in this place, the, the last point is this, just we, we need to attend to the truth. Hold the truth tight. The, there's rumors that might come. They're trying to tear down reputation. Hold to the truth. It was a number of months ago now. I don't even know how long ago it was. I got an email. It says, your email, Pastor Jason at My Faith Assembly, has been hacked. And um, we have taken control of your camera. And we have, we have seen what you've been watching and we know you've been watching pornography, so send us a couple thousand, I don't remember what it was, send us a couple thousand dollars, and we won't reveal this through your email. And um, I got that, and I'm reading it, and I'm, so I laughed. Uh, and I laughed and hit delete and said, that's spam. You know why? Because I know where my eyes have been. I know where my feet have gone. I know what I've looked at. I know what I've done. And you can say what you want to say, but I know the truth, and the truth sets me free. You see, when we live in the place of what people say, people can say what people say, but I know the truth. And when I know the truth, I don't know that I'm perfect, but I know my life is in the one who is, and my desire is to please him with everything that I've got and to give myself unto him, and it is the righteousness that he looks, and as he sees his righteousness over me, he counts that as worthy. It's it's my faith that becomes righteousness, and that becomes God's blessing and provision and hand upon my life. So guess what? The enemy can come against me, but I'm not coming off this wall because I'm standing on the word of God that never changes and I'm not coming down because I'm doing a good work and I'm not coming down for anything. I'm not getting off the wall. This, this situation that we're in that is un, um, just uh, uh, volatile and, and difficult, it's full of confusion. We've been here before. We've been here before. And without putting, I don't want to put blame, but I'll just say we've been here before. And we haven't always responded the right way. As a church, and I don't mean just, I don't mean faith assembly, I mean the body of Christ. We haven't always responded the right way. But because we've been here before, God's brought us through before, he's going to do it again. Because his word remains. And so the season that we're in, let's remain steadfast. Let's stand upon God's word. I want you to take a look at this. And let this just bring encouragement because, yeah, there's places we've been here before and God's not done working. He's not given up on us, so let's remain determined because he's still doing a great work. And let's watch his work take place. Take a look at this just before we close in prayer. We've got to stay together and maintain unity. Trouble is in the land, confusion all around. Let us rise up tonight with a greater readiness. Let us stand with a greater determination. And let us move on. In these powerful days, these days of challenge, to make America what it ought to be, we have an opportunity to make America a better nation. Precious Lord, take my hand.
let me stand take my hand precious Lord and lead me home God is not done working in the lives of his people there's a remnant and we're a part of that heaven and earth will pass away but the word of God will never pass away so I want to encourage you today if, if, if you've been from the weeks behind and the concerns of what's to come if you've been overwhelmed by fear and discouragement I pray in the name of Jesus that you would know the hope of glory that the God who is with you will never leave you or forsake you There's a God who is working all things together for good. And we don't look to the left or to the right. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And so the enemy comes along and says, hey, you ought to worry about this. You don't even worry about the enemy, but just say, no, I'm on a great job and a great task and I'm not coming down. I don't need to lift my hands to anger and my mouth to dispute because my hands are meant to praise and my mouth meant to to declare the glory of the Lord. So I don't need to raise my arm or my hand in anger and violence and rage because I'll raise my hand in worship and in honor and recognition of our God. And I don't need to speak down what's around us. I have my mouth to declare the fruit of praise to my God. The enemy wants to discourage. Don't help him at his job. Because the only way it works is if you work with him. So stand on the wall. Don't come down. Stand in the promise of God. Would you stand with me all across this room today? Can we just affirm that in this time of worship before we go? And just declare this. We sang this song already, but your promise still stands. Come on, let's declare the promise of God and know that he's got great things ahead of us that we'll move straight forward into his purpose for our life. Come on, let's declare this over our life and our situation. Your promise still stands. Great is your faith.